Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast, our usual late week episode. I'm DJ Short and with me here as always is Drew Silva. Drew, welcome. Hey man, um, playoff hockey is really taking a toll on me. I so can I'm, tell I'm, <laughs> by your Twitter yeah, feed. I'm losing followers by by the dozens, but I can't like I can't help but I know to um, when I'm watching these games. It's just the St. Louis Blues are subtracting years off my life. Yeah, um, but it, it's a travel day in that series against the Stars, and this is not a hockey podcast. So let's talk about sport that I think I have a better grasp on <laughs> at least until like September comes around. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll start with really the awful news uh, with Indians ace Corey Kluber. Uh, he suffered a non-displaced fracture of his right ulna bone on a comebacker off the bat of Brian Anderson of the Marlins on Wednesday night. That ball had an exit velocity of 102.2 miles per hour, by the way. So, um, you know, really struck him there. Kluber actually got to the ball and like tried, tried to do like a little flip to first base, but that didn't work out. He was in obvious pain and discomfort. We should know more information very soon. Um, we're recording right now Friday afternoon. It's about 4.30 Eastern time. But by the Thursday time, thir- did I say Wednesday? What did I say? So Friday. Okay. Well, the show's going to come out Friday morning. So <laughs> I think by the time you're listening to this right now, you'll you may know a little bit more, but Odds are he's going to be sidelined several weeks, you'd think. The closest I could find to a comparison um, was Blue Jays prospect Nate Pearson, really promising pitching prospect. He suffered a similar injury on a comebacker last year, broken all in the bone. He was in a cast for about six weeks and then required a couple of months of rehab. It might be a little bit different because he was a prospect and they're, you know maybe they were running up toward the end of the season. He did pitch in the Arizona Fall League, but either way, you know, that's at least a couple of months, potentially. Um, again, no idea if it'll be that serious with Kluber, but I think that's you know setting expectations a bit for fantasy owners. I, I'm going to expect the worst and be pleasantly surprised if it's something sooner. Yeah, I was looking back through the Roto World database for just basically Googled Roto World and, and non-displaced owner fractures. Yeah. M- Martin Perez... Uh, is a pretty good comp because he's a pitcher. He, he suffered one at spring training on his throwing arm. That was back in 2013. Missed a little over two months. Um, joined the Rangers in late May of that year and actually went on to post pretty good numbers. It, 
the best numbers of his career so far. Um, though actually he's been quietly very reliable for the Twins. He's been pretty good. Yeah. yeah, beat the Astros on uh, Wednesday night. So I think like that's probably the best case scenario is that it's two months, and then the worst case is that it's the whole year. Um, with that, with any kind of like bone fracture, every case is going to be different. Yeah. Curtis Granderson had one um, a few years ago and, and missed like 10 weeks. Um, but it's a little bit different with a position player than a pitcher, and especially when it's on the guy's throwing arm. Um, so, you know, I, I think we'll just have to wait. I'm sure there will be more information available sometime this weekend. Yeah. Side note on Pearson, by the way, who's a pretty good pitching prospect. He's back this year and he's actually dominating in high A. He has a 0.86 ERA with 35 strikeouts and three walks in 21 innings. So I think, you know, Corey Kluber's probably going to be okay, but Nate Pearson is a freak and you're going to hear more and more about him. Anyway, this news with Kluber, obviously brutal for the Indians. Remember, they're also missing Mike Clevenger, but also terrible news for fantasy owners as Kluber was already off to a disappointing start this season. Drafted as a top 10 starter, maybe top five in, in many leagues, Kluber holds a 5-8-0 ERA through seven starts, and who knows when we'll see him next. And you think about the Indians' ugly offense, and you have to wonder if they can really pull off winning this division. I mean, pitching was seen to be their strength and would potentially carry them. So the Indians' passivity this offseason, really not doing anything when it was clear they needed help on, on offense, um, could really come back to bite them. I, I think the Twins have a real opportunity in this division. Yeah, they beat the Astros again on Thursday afternoon. Um, and yeah, if they could like beef up their pitching staff a little bit, even though, I mean, their rotation is, looks pretty good right now, but... Um, you could see them having kind of an innings crunch eventually. I expect the Twins to be really active at the deadline to just take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, and, and they can beat up on a lot of those AL Central teams, which uh, look pretty bad. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, of course, uh, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell still out there. I think we I read something earlier that the Yankees could be interested in Keuchel after the draft. <laughs> just like every other team. Yeah, and I think the draft is June 4th fourth through sixth this year maybe it's third through fifth but either way we're about a month out from that um, and then once that those dates pass those players can sign uh, without draft pick compensation attached which would totally transform in their market obviously they'll still cost millions of dollars but uh, they won't be tied to those draft picks and and draft pool money and, and stuff like that so that does change the game a little bit and at this point why even sign those guys because they're probably going to need you know, a couple weeks in the minors to, to get ready. So um, I think it makes sense to wait at this point for really everybody involved. Yeah. Um, moving on, Reds top prospect Nick Senzel will officially, well, will hopefully be called up to the majors on Friday. Yes, uh, hopefully. Multi- multiple, yeah, multiple reports have stated that. It's not official yet. It could be like Saturday or Sunday, I guess, but I think it will happen this weekend. Um, he has only played center field since being activated off the injured list at AAA Louisville. So that's probably the position he's going to play in Cincinnati. I'm a little surprised uh, Scott, it's this soon, yeah. though, because I think he's only played eight games. He has. Which well, I, I was expecting maybe a couple more weeks, but I'm not really complaining. I'm just a little surprised. No, and I think if he had had a healthy spring, he would have made the opening day roster. Um, and just, yeah, now that he's healthy... Uh, the Reds have had a pretty disappointing start to the season. I think they're just like, Let, let's do this. Yeah. Um, and, and Scott Schebler, who has been the Reds' primary center fielder uh, through the first five weeks, essentially, 
went 0 for 3 against Noah Syndergaard and the Mets on Thursday afternoon. Is batting 127 with a 486 OPS in 29 games this year. Um, yeah. Senzel was drafted as a third baseman. Uh, he's also seen some action at second base and a little bit of short in the minors. But yeah, the, the Reds' biggest need right now is in center. Um, and I, I think he'll pretty much be close to an everyday guy there um, with Shebler either. I don't know. I don't know what they'll do with him. They have a lot of outfielders, but I guess Matt Kemp is on the injured list. Um, we'll see. I, I think Senzel will, will pretty much be an everyday player, especially if he gets off to a hot start. Um, what to expect here in terms of fantasy output? I think it's a little bit hard to say. Um, Senzel has dealt with a ton of different injuries over the last couple of seasons. Uh, vertigo, a torn tendon in his right index finger. There have been hamstring issues. There was a little shoulder thing. And then uh, this year it was a, a spring ankle injury that delayed him from getting to Louisville. Um, but these are mostly freak injuries. I guess the vertigo thing has been a problem for him off and on throughout his life. I guess that could pop up again. Um, but either way, he's healthy now and certainly has the skill set that we love as fantasy owners and analysts. Um, a 312 batting average, 895 OPS, 20 runs, 40 stolen bases, and 239 career minor league games. Uh, was the second overall pick in 2016 out of Univer- the University of Tennessee. Pretty good pop. We'll play his home games at a, a bandbox, Great American Ballpark. The Reds like to run. They're pretty aggressive on the base bases. I think he could be a double-digit steals guy as a rookie. Um, should be a good source of batting average. Get on at, at, get on base at a solid clip. Um, and maybe climb toward the top of the batting order with a hot start. They've used Jesse Winker a lot there lately, and he's played well. Uh, but they use Jose Peraza at leadoff, I think, a little too much. Um, I think Senzel would make a lot more sense there. His offensive numbers this year at Louisville haven't been great, but like you said, it's a, it's an eight-game sample, It's so I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Um, the, the greater sample suggests that he has a really high fantasy ceiling. Um, the floor, I don't know. With most rookies, you're going to have a pretty low floor, and the durability could be a concern. But I think he's a must-own guy like for speculative purposes in mixed fantasy leagues, uh, given the high upside. I think with Vlad Jr. up in the majors, Senzel is like the most anticipated guy. Um, We talked about this last week, too. Um, After this, it gets a little murky, but um, as far as Senzel, I think, you know, if you get like double-digit homers and steals the rest of the way with like a useful batting average, you'd probably be happy with that. I don't think he's going to be the guy who's going to hit 30 homers and steal 20 bases necessarily, but I think he's going to hit for average, um, which means a lot right now. Um, And as you said, hitter-friendly, ballpark, a lineup which should be better than it has been. Um, I think there's a lot to look forward to with Senzel, and he probably would have been up in the majors already if it wasn't for all these injuries. So um, better late than never, and hopefully we see it on Friday. It seems like... uh, Basically a foregone conclusion, but we'll see. I, I think he's already stashed away in about 60% of Yahoo leagues, but there could be some shallower leagues where he's still out there, so make sure to take care of that. Um, we were doing weekly Chris Sale updates, so I'm replacing that with Jacob deGrom for this week. <laughs> Hopefully one week only, and he's back to being his normal, amazing self. After three straight, uncharacteristically poor starts, he actually had a 9.69 ERA over that time. DeGrom bounced back Wednesday night against the Reds uh, with seven scoreless frames, uh, three hits allowed with two walks and six strikeouts. I'm not sure he's fully back yet, 
Uh, he clearly doesn't have a ton of faith in throwing his slider right now. He only threw 20 of them on Wednesday and got three whiffs with the pitch. He induced most of his whiffs with his fastball. Still, it was a step in the right direction, and I think fantasy owners should breathe a sigh of relief here. His upcoming matchups are super favorable. Gets the Padres before back-to-back starts against the Marlins. So hopefully he gets on a nice roll here, gets the confidence back, and you know goes back to being that ace we all expected. I'm still pretty optimistic there, uh, at least assuming the elbow issue is behind him. And you know I led here with Degrom, but we got to talk about Noah Syndergaard as well. He was fantastic on Thursday afternoon. At least with some partial help from the home plate umpire Marty Foster. That 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 game flew by, by the way. Like it, it was did. over at I'm in Central Time, and it was over before 1:30 Central, which is yeah. That only that only happens with like that Red Sox Boston Marathon game. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's a one to nothing game. Baseball. A nice crisp one to nothing game. I almost went to that game too, but I saw the forecast um, yesterday and it was supposed to like rain all day, so I was like, ah, forget it. Yeah. And I could have snuck that one in and still been back in time to do this show. But, For real. Yeah. But it was still nice to watch. Threw a shutout against the Reds with 10 strikeouts. Reached 100 miles per hour for his final pitch of the game. A strikeout looking against Yasuo Puig. His 104th pitch of the game. So that's pretty nice. That's like Justin Verlander territory. Three hits allowed, uh, or f- four hits allowed, just one walk. He even hit his second homer of the season. So he really did everything in this game. Carried the Mets on Thursday. And it was some history, too, as no pitcher in Mets history had ever pulled off a similar feat. According to baseball references, the eighth time since 1908 that a pitcher has thrown a shutout while homering for the game's only run. Last time that happened was 1983. Bob Welsh, also against the Reds, <laughs> uh, June 17, 1983. So some amazing stuff there. Quite a day for Thor. And similarly encouraging after he gave up four or more runs in four straight starts. So uh, that's got to make you feel good, obviously. Syndergaard has immense potential. We're just kind of waiting for it to all click. Yeah, it's been a rocky last couple of weeks for the Mets, but you could see them getting into another groove like they had earlier earlier the season if Thor and and DeGrom are humming along. They have a negative 19 run differential right now, Mm -hmm. but they're in second place in the NL East. They're one game over 500 and only a game and a half back of the Phillies. Which is amazing because they, they have not pitched well from top yeah. to bottom, really. Even Edwin Diaz has given up two home runs this week, um, uncharacteristically as well, and lost both of those games. So, uh, But you could see the potential there, obviously, with the pitching staff. And If they can put that together, they're going to be a pretty tough team to beat. Yeah, I think they're a good team. Um, I want to run through some thoughts on a number of younger players beyond Senzel and, and Vladimir Jr., who we covered in length uh, at last week's episode. Um, let's start with Griffin Canning of the Angels. He made his Major League debut on Tuesday night against the Blue Jays and the aforementioned Vlad Jr. Uh, the line for Canning doesn't look all that impressive. Three earned runs allowed in four or third innings, but he gave up only four hits and one walk, struck out six. He had five strikeouts in a row at one point. Uh, got 18 swing and misses, um, peppered his mid-90s fastball up in the zone with pretty good control, breakers down and away. I watched part of that outing, and, and I think he looked really good. Just ran into some trouble on the fourth inning, a uh, couple of singles and a wild pitch, and then there were some hard-hit balls to open the top of the fifth, a Brandon Drury homer and a double. Um, but overall, I, I think it was really an impressive debut, and one that doesn't jump out on paper, but if you watched it, you, you'd really be impressed. Um, Canning was a second-round pick in 2017 out of UCLA. 
really quickly through the Angels' farm system. Um, he had given up just one earned run with 17 strikeouts over 16 innings, three starts this season at AAA Salt Lake. Um, his next outing, he's going to stay in the majors, uh, will come next week against a Tigers offense that ranks second to last in the majors and runs scored here on Thursday, uh, batting just 232 with a 298 on, on base percentage as a group. I think that's just a really good matchup for anyone, especially Canning, who, who can get a lot of wits. Um, it's a nice option if you're a, a Corey Kluber owner and you need a fill-in. I think he could be up for a while. Um, finally, the Angels' farm system is actually producing some major leaguers, which is, which is a good thing for them because they have struggled even with Mike Trout doing his normal Mike Trout thing. With the health history of the Angels' rotation, it's not hard to imagine Canning carving out a spot for you know the foreseeable future here. So I think he's definitely a, a really solid pickup, not only for that matchup, but beyond that. I think watching him, the thing that stuck out to me was it looks like he has kind of an interesting delivery where he hides the ball really well. Um, it's like, I, I can't even describe, it was almost like short-arming it. It was, it was interesting to watch. Um, I wouldn't say unique necessarily, but um, I think it's the kind of thing where he's a pitcher who could enjoy a lot of immediate success while the league kind of gets used to him. So um, definitely intriguing. It kind of reminded me of Casey Mize. Like mm. I, I had never actually seen Casey Mize pitch, but I watched his highlights from um, his Double A debut, where he threw a no hitter. He was the number one overall pick last year, right? By the way, for people who aren't familiar, and yeah, they kind of have like that snap, yes, delivery. Um, yeah, it seems to work. Um, and then uh, Michael Chavis of the, of the Red Sox. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> um, he is really impressed. Um, another good performance on Wednesday against the A's. Uh, he's batting 314 with a 1042 OPS through his first 43 major league plate appearances. Already has three home runs, eight RBI, eight runs scored in 11 games. Also has a stolen base. I don't think it's too crazy to think that he might run away with the starting second base job in Boston. Um, you have Dustin Pedroia, Eduardo Nunez, and Brock Holt all on the injured list. Um, but you know the Red Sox have won three in a row as of Thursday evening, but they're they're fourteen and seventeen on the season, and I think kind of in desperation mode at being the defending World Series champions. You know they need to put their best players on the field, and I, I think Chavis is is one of them. A really good minor league numbers, uh, top one hundred prospect coming into the year, definitely worth owning in mixed leagues, in my opinion, even with some regression probably coming and, and maybe a playing time crunch down the road. Uh, but he can also play some first base and third base. He's played shortstop before. I don't think he profiles very well there, but in a pinch, um, just that versatility is something that could keep him in the lineup if they want to give Raphael Devers a night off or Xander Bogarts or Mitch Moreland or Steve Pierce. I, he has the tools to work his way into or to keep an everyday role, but the kind of role that he has right now. And I think he has the bat to produce. Um, I think he's really intriguing. Not not a guy that was on a ton of watch lists coming into the year, um, but he's in a really good situation right now, and you want to take advantage of that sort of thing. Um, and then the the one guy I'll touch on last is Carter Keyboom of the Nationals. Uh, he was called up last Friday from AAA Fresno as Trey Turner continues to rehab a fractured right index finger. Turner, by the way, is uh, expected to begin swinging a bat soon could return in about two weeks or, or maybe closer to like late May, uh, maybe like the second to last week of May. 
Uh, Keyboom had a game-tying homer in his Major League debut against the Padres last Friday. Uh, went deep again in Sunday's series finale with San Diego. Uh, but he hasn't done much this week, and he was given the day off on Thursday uh, with manager Davey Martinez saying he just needed to reset himself. He looks awfully awful defensively. Yes, he does. Um, from what from what I've seen, I I remember when Turner first went down. Um, Nationals GM Mike Rizzo told reporters that Keyboom wasn't ready yet with the glove, and you know that's usually like typical GM speak when we're talking about top prospects and service time concerns. Uh, but in this case, it, it actually rings true, I think, at least from the eye test that I've seen of him over the last four games. Um, he could be sent back down when Turner is ready. That's probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's worth noting that Brian Dozier has really struggled uh, to open the year and also struggled last year, obviously. Um, that's why he had to accept a one-year deal in free agency. So maybe if Kiboom keeps hitting, um, they move him to second base and, and do something with Dozier, put him on the injured list. He did have a knee thing last year, though he never did go on the what is formerly known as as the DL. Um, I, Kiboom can definitely hit, has a great name for <laughs> being a good hitter too, uh, but he probably does need some more time at AAA. I think he does too, and I remember reading over the offseason that um, you know, scouts doubted his ability to play shortstop in the majors and he was seen more as a second baseman. So I, I was surprised that the Nationals put him in the position they put him in. But we know the Nationals aren't afraid to be aggressive with prospects. So um, sometimes they just throw him in the fire and see what happens. Uh, in this case, he also has nine strikeouts and 25 plate appearances. I'm assuming he'll go down uh, when Turner comes back. They'll give Dozier more of an opportunity there. Maybe keep him someone we see later in the year or maybe key moon like goes off this weekend and it's like three home runs or something. Um, (laughs) But I, I think that probably the most likely scenario is he'll head back down when Turner comes back or maybe sooner. Um, So somebody that I wanted to mention here. Oh, another prospect I called up this week, Nate Lowe with the Rays. I wasn't really expecting that either, but had a huge year uh, last year in the minors. Uh, I think between three different levels made his way up. Um, was also a good start in AAA this year. Power and patience from the left side. And I think the Rays need that right now with Austin Meadows out. Joey Wendell's also sidelined. Um, he's sort of redundant uh, with G-Man Choi also there. Like they're both kind of first base DH types. So I wonder how this is going to play out You know, after Meadows comes back if they have that same kind of need for Lowe in the majors right now. And also it depends on how much Lowe produces, but Lowe is definitely a promising guy for the long term. And if you want to take a chance on a corner infielder, I think he's a, he's a decent short-term bet. Yeah. Was the Rays minor league player of the year uh, last year, pretty good power, like pretty good plate approach. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of have a lot of first base DH types. And I mean, they use them well. Like they, they're the Rays are great at platooning and playing the right matchups and putting the right lineup out there. But I don't know if like the playing time is going to be there for Lowe to be a fantasy guy this year. Maybe down the stretch if they lose some depth to injuries. So another guy that I think sh- I guess should be on the radar again now, Jesus Aguilar. And you know it's funny. I recorded a video on Monday for Roto World, essentially saying that. You should buy on Eric Thames because of Aguilar's brutal slump to begin the year. Aguilar was still looking for his first home run at the time uh, to begin the week. So meanwhile, Thames had been taking away some playing time over the weekend um, and had been producing. But before the video could even go live, 
Aguilar hit two homers on Monday, knocked in four runs. Then Aguilar hit another home run on Tuesday, and then walked in all four of his plate appearances on Wednesday. I'm not sure if he's just seeing the ball really well right now, or the Rockies just didn't want him hurting them again. But either way, maybe, just maybe, Aguilar's starting to figure things out here. Of course, had the huge first half last year, earned an all-star selection for that. Dropped off a bit during the second half, so um, when he struggled out of the gate this year, I think it was concerning. And Thames is a guy, he, he's hit 31 homers in a season before. Um, and Thames is striking out a ton right now, but he has been producing when given the opportunity. Um, so I still think it's an interesting situation where at least Thames will get some at-bats against right-handed pitching. But uh, I think Aguilar, if you own him, maybe you didn't start him this week, which means you missed out on this stuff. <laughs> um but I think he's in better position now than he was a week ago. So at least there's that. Um, so you're certainly holding on him or picking him up if he if he got dropped. Of course, in a great situation for power hitters. So if, if you need some pop in your lineup, um, maybe just check your waiver wire and see if he's out there. Yeah, the OPS has risen over 200 points in the last three days. That, yeah. I mean, that, that's how low it was. It was at right. 368. Now it's at 577. Yes. Um, so AJ Pollock landed on the injured list Tuesday with an infection in his right elbow and he underwent surgery on Thursday. Uh, but at this point we don't know exactly uh, how invasive the procedure was and, and what kind of timetable he's going to be looking at. Uh, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts would only tell reporters that he does expect Pollock back at some point this season, um, which I don't know, that's a pretty good indication that it's going to be a lengthy absence, probably at least several weeks, maybe multiple months. Um, Pollock had some metal hardware put in his elbow back in 2016 when he was with the Diamondbacks. And I guess this infection has grown around it. Um, so the hardware will be replaced or at least cleaned up. And you know, there could be other damage in there. Uh, I sound like a surgeon, don't I? <laughs> well, when they say, when they always say like, successful surgery on his elbow or something i guess this would be an example of not successful i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> I, I, I i know um whatever whatever the case um this does open up a big opportunity for alex verdugo who i think needs to be owned in, in all standard mixed fantasy leagues he's played really well in in a more limited role to open the year uh, 342 batting average, 985 OPS, four homers, 16 RBIs, also a stolen base. That has come in 31 games, only 15 of which he has started. Um, so going to be a lot more starts for him moving forward. Um, he was a consensus top 35 prospect entering the season. Well-rounded batting line throughout the minor leagues, plays good defense. He wasn't much of like a counting stats compiler in the minors, but with an everyday role now and in a deep Dodgers lineup, I think he can be really productive. Um, he's, he's a talented player. He's going to play a lot. Um, I think if, if you need some help in, in any you know, category, I think batting average, he can help maybe a little bit in homers, but you know, just counting stats in general, I, I think he'll, 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 pre- he'll give pretty good returns. Right? He's just really talented and, and he has an opportunity and I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to produce. The Dodgers will certainly play the matchup, so I, I think Verdugo, Verdugo will sit against some lefties, but you look at that contact rate, it's already among the elite, um, which is really encouraging to see for someone with his limited experience, and it, it really doesn't come as a surprise if you followed him in the minors. Um, he was never, never, anyone who, never someone who profiled to hit like 30 home runs or something, but he can definitely hit. 
Um, and I think possibly he can grow into more power in time. So uh, I think he's a good pickup right now as well. Someone I wanted to talk about here, um, and actually I tweeted out something earlier today saying that Hyunjin Ryu is the most underrated pitcher in baseball, which I think is true. (laughs) When healthy, he's just awesome, especially the past two years. He's been amazing. But I got a bunch of people tweeting at me uh, that Caleb Smith with the Marlins is that guy. I promise you I do know who Caleb Smith is, just putting that out there. But Caleb Smith, I mean, I think he's been the biggest bargain as far as as the waiver wire is considered so far this season, Smith fired seven innings of one run ball against the weak Indians offense on Wednesday now holds a two ERA through his first six starts. And nothing about this is fluky, by the way, Smith has struck out 45 batters in 36 innings while walking just nine. Only Blake Snell has a higher swinging strike percentage so far this season. He's getting whiffs on everything, but especially his change up in his slider. And he's inducing weak contact too. According to baseball savant, Smith ranks in the 91st percentile as far as average exit velocity against him and in the 89th percentile for hard hit percentage. So really good stuff there. The only downer, of course, is that he pitches for the Marlins, who have one of the worst offenses in the sport. So that's going to cost him some wins. I think the one thing here, you also have to wonder about his workload, how far he's going to pitch into the season. Remember, he dealt with a severe strain in the back of his shoulder last year, ended his season prematurely. So He threw just 77 in the third innings. He was at 120 innings in 2017 between the majors and the minors with the Yankees. The Marlins obviously aren't winning anything this year, so you have to wonder how far they'll push him. I see him maybe as a top 30 starter right now, but it's definitely possible he's a pitcher you might want to cash in on early. You definitely have enjoyed the production until this point, but I think it's at least worth thinking about. His ownership has finally shot up. Yeah, um, it was it was like around twenty five percent on ESPN at the start of this week. I I say ESPN because that's a league where I picked him up, and hmm. um, now now it's up to seventy percent. Wow. So that's a huge rise, and at least people are paying attention, I guess. Yeah, let's see where um, he is in. Yeah, I'm gonna see where he is in Yahoo. Let's yeah, see. he's at seventy four percent in Yahoo, which sounds yeah. about right. I mean, he was he was thirty percent in Yahoo at the start of this week. Like no joke, that's a huge rise for. For for anybody, um, but yeah, I mean, people are reading, yeah, and listening to to the podcast. It should be a hundred percent right now. But. Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> but you know how baseball leagues are; like yeah. people sign up but don't actually play. This this, um, is true. this happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, Malik Smith was a popular guy in drafts this spring. Big time had stolen base numbers. Uh, was projected to be the leadoff man in Seattle. Uh, but he was optioned to AAA Tacoma this week after batting just 165 with a 255 on base percentage, 247 slugging percentage through 110 plate appearances. Uh, he, he did have eight stolen bases. Uh, he even had a home run back on March 29th against the Red Sox, but was in a three for 46 slump. And the Mar- Mariners just kind of had to pull the plug here. Um, send him to the minors for a bit. Hope he can reset himself against some lesser competition. Um, Braden Bishop was called up in, in a corresponding roster move to fill in as the Mariners center fielder. He's a good defender, but not really a fantasy relevant guy. Um, I think it might be smart to stash Smith. Um, if somebody in your league drops him and you're desperate for stolen bases, like many of us are, he, I don't think he'll be down in the minors for very long. Yeah. Um, and he's a much better hitter than what he, he has shown over the, the first, first four weeks of the 2019 season. 
had a 296 batting average, 367 on base percentage, over 544 plate appearances with the Rays last year. Um, so that's a pretty big sample size telling you that this guy's going to hit a lot better moving forward. And um, he, he was a candidate to lead the league in stolen bases coming into the year. Um, I, I don't think he's like a Billy Hamilton type. I think he's better than that. Um, and I think you're going to get better returns from him once he comes back up. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if he's out there on the waiver wire, you just stash, especially in like your standard kind of roto format. I mean, he can win you a category. Head-to-head leagues, maybe I'd be a little more hesitant. But uh, yeah, I, I would take advantage of that if you can. I, I would think he'd be up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So someone we haven't talked about in a while or maybe ever on this podcast is Red's right-hander Anthony DiScofani. There was a time that I really liked him, though. Remember, DiScofani was pretty good as a rookie in 2015, um, or at least showed moments of upside. The secondary numbers were promising. He actually had a 3.28 ERA over 20 starts in 2016, but injuries have been the theme with him. He missed a bunch of time with an oblique injury during that season, didn't throw a pitch in 2017 while rehabbing a sprained ulnar collateral ligament, opted for rehab over Tommy John surgery. He had another oblique injury last year and then scuffled with a 4.93 ERA over 21 starts. So there was little reason to talk about him going into this year. And it looked like Alex Wood was going to be in that rotation too. So maybe DiScofani wouldn't even have been in the rotation to begin the year. But he's looking intriguing again. DiScofani blanked the Mets over five and two-thirds innings on Wednesday while striking out eight batters. He's now allowed one earned run or fewer in three straight starts, bringing his ERA down to 3.48 for the year. 36 strikeouts and 12 walks in 31 innings. His velocity is up a tick or two from what we've seen in the past, and he's also throwing his curveball more often while relying less on his slider. So far, it's working for him. Obviously, DiScofani comes with some risk, not only that injury history, but he gave up a bunch of homers last year, makes half of his starts in a hitter-friendly home ballpark, but I think he's worth at least a temporary flyer to see if he can keep this going, and this is a pretty ideal time to get on board. DiScofani gets two starts against the Giants next week, which is super weird. First at home on Monday, then at San Francisco on Saturday. Sign me up. If you need a two-star pitcher, I think he's a great option. And someone who's yeah. out there in about 90% of Yahoo leagues. Right. Yeah, I remember his career trending in a really positive direction, like you said, like between 2016 and 2017. And then um, he like he was being talked about as a good sleeper going into yes. the spring 2017 and then had that UCL sprain. Um, good to see him healthy again. And, and yeah, you definitely want to take advantage of matchups against that Giants lineup. Mm-hmm. There's just no power there. Um, so wrapping it up um, with a bullpen note, Rangers manager Chris Woodward announced Wednesday that Jose Leclerc will temporarily be removed from the team's closer role. Um, that, that came after an awful outing on Tuesday night against the Pirates in which Leclerc gave up three runs on four hits to blow a save. It resulted in a 4-6 loss to the Pirates. Um, he has an 8.44 ERA and 2.16 whip in 13 appearances this season. He's issued nine walks and gave up 14 hits in 10 and two-thirds innings. Um, it's it's just a big-time fall from grace for LeClerc, who had a 1-5-6 ERA and 85 strikeouts in 57 innings last season. Went 12 for 12 and save opportunities down the stretch after the Rangers traded Keona Kella to Pittsburgh. Um, also signed a big long-term contract extension this spring. The arrow was just pointing up for him in a, in a major way, like could have been a top-tier closer potentially if, if he 
had everything going if he pitched like he did last year. Um, as we talked about on last week's episode, Leclerc's velocity is actually up this year. Um, so I don't think he's hurt or anything. He does rely on that splitter slash slider a whole lot, um, which I, th- I think is a feel pitch and, and just doesn't seem to have that feel for it right now. Um, but I'd expect him to get that back. I mean, he's healthy. He's throwing hard. Um, pitching in a low leverage role for a while should help. I, I wouldn't drop them. Um, I think the Rangers are, you know, not a great team, but they're a team that could win like 75 to 80 games. I think there will be a lot of save opportunities for him at some point when he gets right. I would pick up Sean Kelly, though, Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, if he's still available. Uh, Woodward mentioned both Kelly and Chris Martin as options to fill in at closer. Kelly has the better numbers than Martin this year, a one five zero ERA, 11 strikeouts in 12 innings, and he's earned saves in the past with the Yankees and Nationals. Um, also has one save already for the Rangers this year. Um, so if he's out there and you need saves, which we all do, I, I would go get Kelly. I agree. I was going to make a cold play joke there, but I, I just couldn't think of anything good um, with Chris Martin. Um, with Leclerc, though, you're right. I think it is kind of a feel thing for him. If you look at his control in the past, like prior to last year, um, it was really bad, like really bad. Um, but he brought it down to kind of a more was, reasonable, yeah. more reasonable level. Stre- yeah, stretches even last year, honestly. Yeah, he walked three, 3.9 batters per nine innings last year, which is still more than you'd like. But um, in 2017, it was 7.88. <laughs> and that's, oh. that's basically where he is right now at 7.59. I know like... I don't like walks per nine innings generally, but I think it helps for contextual purposes. But um, sure. yeah, especially for something uh, discussing this matter. So um, hopefully he can get the feel for that pitch back. Uh, I think after the Rangers gave him that contract extension, they have every reason to get him straightened out, get him back in that role, um, have him be successful. And then as a rebuilding team, maybe they try to trade him, you know, um, or they just will keep him as their closer because they have him on a team friendly contract. But either way, it makes all the sense in the world for for them to, you know, get him straightened out. And with Kelly, he's not going to have the regular workload of a closer anyway with his injury history. I'm sure they're going to be super careful with him. But um, when healthy, Kelly can be really good. So um, if he hasn't been scooped up already, he he definitely should be. Uh, Anything else this week? Nope. Go Blues. (laughs) Of course. So, yes, that will do it for this week. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, etc. And remember to rate and review the show. We'd really appreciate it, especially if it was a five-star review. Always nice to see, and it helps spread the word about the show, too. And also remember to listen to our early week episode, hosted by Matt Strout. comes out every Tuesday morning. Last thing, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short, Drew's at Drew Silv, and we'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.